I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Previously on Mentally Yours, every single discussion that discusses mental health in the United Kingdom that does not mention NHS defunding is incomplete. You cannot talk about the rise in depression and mental health conditions in young people especially, and not talk about a series of NHS cuts put in place by the government. We we live in London. So I live in a city of 10 million people with some of the most talented. It's the financial, cultural, and political hub of this country. I can't see a GP. Mm. It's near impossible for me to see a GP. Mm-hmm. It's a complete lottery. It's a complete crapshoot. And you've got to bear in mind, you've got to hope you've got a good GP. Hi everyone, welcome to Mentally Yours. This is Metro.co.uk's weekly mental health podcast. I'm Yvette. And I'm Ellen. And this week we're talking to Julesy, who's the creator of Smart Brown Girls. She's an internet personality. We're going to be talking to her about mental health, mental health in the black community, and also mental health when you're on the internet and have thousands and thousands of followers and what that's like. I think it starts with understanding that my audience, like, understanding the need because I am a black woman and I have definitely had to go through my own struggles with mental health. And then, well, if no one's talking about it, you know, how, how are we ever going to be better? Right. And so I think I had to kind of let go of being concerned about how people would like talk about me negatively or how like what type of negativity I would get from the public and just talk about it for the people that I know would appreciate it and not think about the negativity that comes with it. And I personally don't feel like I ever have to feed into this strong narrative. Like I, I'm constantly talking about the way that we view 
quote unquote strong people and how we kind of do them a big disfavor. Are you able to talk us through your own mental health issues? It's just like, how do you live in this world as a, as a person, particularly of color, and go through this sort of trauma and not have like, I don't personally believe that anybody <laughs> is like 100% like mental health wise. I think we all kind of ebb and flow individually, regardless of our racial background, go through some sort of, regardless of our economic standing, we deal with some sort of mental health issues at some point in time. So for myself, particularly being African-American, living in America, you know, there's just things that happen within our community, mental health-wise, that were not talked about maybe until like the mid-90s. Both of my parents have dealt with depression. I've dealt with depression. I was diagnosed with anxiety when I was like 12. And how do you deal with that personally? Like, how do you deal with anxiety and depression? When I was a child, I kept a journal. My family wasn't particularly keen on the idea of medication or even therapy at that point. And so I kept a journal. Now, yeah, I keep a journal. I take antidepressants um, as needed. And I have a therapist. What has it been like for you sharing your mental health online? Like, has the reaction been good? In sharing, I kind of opened the platform for more people to discuss it. At the time when I first, I saw my YouTube channel, I think back in maybe like 2012, I was in the natural hair care scene and another lady in the natural hair care scene had committed suicide. And I was like, you know, like, I'm like me being worried about, oh, somebody might, there's a stigma, even a like, I still don't think we have the right language in order to talk about mental health in the way that it needs to be talked about. But I was just like, you know, I really can't be worried about someone saying, oh, she's crazy or trying to throw it back at me in a very demeaning way. It's like, you know, if I have to take this negativity from people, I would take it if, if it means that I'm helping someone in a way where there's not a lot of options for them to seek help. And so for the most part, it's been very positive. You mentioned earlier America generally and the mental health of America at the moment. With Trump coming in, there's been a lot of fear. What do you think the situation is like at the moment? I'm, I'm a person who covers a lot of political history on my YouTube channel. And I've kind of tapped out because the news cycle is just so draining and there just doesn't seem to be any reprieve. It's, you know, I think def America's definitely going through a point of reckoning and I don't necessarily see it, see it ending anytime soon. You know, even that thought is like, you're, I'm not trying to become nihilistic, um, but you're, you're also just, you know, how do you consume so much negativity and uh, stay positive? Do you yourself have coping mechanisms to reduce stress? I definitely think keeping a journal is very helpful. Being intentional with my journaling. So, you know, the first thing I do usually in the morning is try to like start my day off writing an entry in my journal. If I see a pattern of like issues that are arising or like whether it's even interpersonal, like with other people, or I'm having like the same sort of like negative thoughts constantly or negative feelings sort of situation, I do like to like go back through my journal and read. I think a lot of times we as individuals might not give ourselves the sort of acknowledgement of our progress. I know I myself can tend to get caught up on the feeling of not doing anything or not being where I should be at. So keeping a journal and allowing and giving myself the space to reflect is very helpful. Um, having a good social circle of people who I can trust. And, you know, it's not that 
uh, I have one friend or one person who I tell everything, but I kind of have like a, a council, like a board of friends who I turn to because they tend to have very different perspectives than I do on things. And so I have different people that I will talk to about certain things and allow ourselves to like kind of bounce off of each other. Um, and then, you know, like my personal space, my home space is very important to me. So I try to keep that in a way that will, um, you know, help me maintain a sort of positive energy. And I work out and I eat, try to eat clean. I definitely think what we put into our bodies can definitely impact our hormones and our mood swings and our feelings and emotions and things like that. So I have, you know, really cut back on the amount of processed food I eat uh, and just trying to eat more whole foods and, you know, working out so that I can increase my energy. You mentioned the divide between home and work. Obviously, you have a huge following online. How do you keep your actual life and your online life separate? That's so difficult because I work from home <laughs> and I am me online, like it's me. Um, and so there's not really an off switch. And I think that's, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily want to come across like the person that has all the answers because I don't. And I, I think that's just kind of the nature of being a human being. You know, it is a conscious effort that I constantly have to kind of put an ongoing effort into having a certain level of self-discipline, um, time management and patience. <laughs> it's it's an ongoing struggle, but th that's one of the probably it's sort of a stress for me. That's probably a stressing a stressor point for me. Um, it's a constant work I put into having that sort of self-discipline, but then also kind of you know, all right, I'm going to have this self-discipline for this length of time and committing to that and also making sure that I schedule in or make time for like vacation and just time for me where I'm not working. Are there any other parts of being on the internet which affect your mental health? Part of being on the internet, and this kind of goes, with, goes along the wavelength of any sort of, you know, where people pu have public access to you. So it's not even just being like, quote unquote, internet famous or being a celebrity. I think, you know, if you watch like a Cardi B interview in her more recent interview, she's talked a lot about this, like people just having access to you and you never getting to turn off or like having a moment to yourself or people feeling like you owe them something. So, you know, I think even a lot of my friends who are writers and they do like political tinge journalism and especially as African-Americans with this current administration, this expectation that we always have to be the ones to anytime Trump says something, come out and have something to say and be on it and be ready to consume it. Or when, you know, this uh, Black Lives Matter movement and talking about the constant barrage now of uh, police sanctioned killings, right, of black bodies. And so having to always be tuned into that and always having something to say and being on point and being aware and like always having to absorb that sort of negativity. I think there's definitely now we're at a point where we have to consciously make an effort to like tune out and like, but like still figuring out like, how do you tune out? How do you keep that balance for your own self sanity? But I don't think this is anything new. Like if you, if you've ever read any sort of James Baldwin, 
he's definitely talked about maintaining a silence that needed to happen in that, that he spent a lot of time in France and he didn't stay in America full time. Um, so I think in parallel to that, a lot of us living in today's society have to find whatever balance. Maybe we don't have the means to leave the country per se, but you can, you can kind of uh, disseminate that down to more simpler terms of even just turning off the TV or taking a week off from social media or not always having to check the news 24 seven. Like I'm not always going to be on top of everything because I do have to preserve my sanity. And for me, it's like, I need to preserve my sense of self because I want to do more work for the greater good. So I can't pick up every cause or be on top of everything because it's a constant deluge of just negativity that can attack your spirit so how do you balance talking about particular issues like really tough subjects and still manage to look after yourself i invest in other interests uh i roller skate (laughs) you know i take time to do other things i like to read fiction books i hang out with my friends i love food um i like socializing and so i make sure to take time to do those things and also when i am discussing things i think sometimes what i try not to do is always be so on the nose about talking about whatever political happening or whatever historical thing is going on in today's society but you know meeting kind of intersecting it with like pop culture right so that the things that people might see as a little bit more lowbrow, like the Instagram celebrities or like loving hip hop or, you know, music artists or going shopping and what's the new fashions at Zara or whatever, or Top Shop, like a- allowing those interests to have value and not belittling people who find value in those sort of interests. And so meeting my audience there not only helps it, helps me to be a better educator, but also helps me to balance my own um, mental health. And I think therefore kind of allows my audience to also kind of get into these things or talk about what's happening in the world without it so negatively attacking them. One of the videos you made was about your sexual assaults. What made you want to do that video? Yeah, I did a video about my, about being raped. And I think even at the time, even saying it today, it's just such a like, there's a, where do we have these discussions at, right? Like we, at the time, this is maybe three, four years before the Me Too movement popped off. But like, you know, when, when I was raped, it was like even deciding, even coming to the understanding that it was rape, like getting over the shame of talking about it. It's like, you know, there's all these feelings and emotions that come out of it. And we tend to talk about sexual assault and rape in very black and white terms. And I do believe there's a lot of gray that exists in these areas. Everything isn't so like cut and dry. And there's a lot of feelings and emotions and things that maybe other people haven't been able to articulate. And so realizing that like I had written a journal entry about it um, and realizing that like I could probably articulate my own circumstance, even though it still made me very uncomfortable, better than maybe a lot of my audience could. So if I sit down and talk about it and I open the door for this, maybe I can give the language to my audience so that they feel more comfortable addressing situations that have happened to them or even preventing situations from happening to them, though it's unfortunate that that onus has to be on the woman. Um 
you know, but like having the language to kind of navigate this space, because I think there's power in language. And so a lot of times I think about, uh, Am I, am I able to hold a productive conversation about this topic? Am I giving people the words and the language and opening up a dialogue that maybe they haven't had access to before so that they can take that and then, you know, talk about it in the terms that they need to talk about it? What kind of response did you get um, back from people when you posted that? I was extremely positive. I think it was a lot of, you know, I've gone through something similar. I felt similar ways. Um, you know, I even addressed like, you know, the shame and how you're like, you can't control your own body and how your own body might react to being assaulted or being raped. And, you know, just being able to have that conversation because it's just like, who do you get to talk about these things with? A, a lot of the people that have watched that I, the video that I constantly get hit up about, people are constantly thanking me because it just helped them process the feelings and emotions they had around a very detrimental situation in their life. And when you posted it, had you already had that conversation uh, with most of your friends and family or was it actually sort of news to some of them? Um, I don't think I had had the conversation as poignantly. Definitely not with anybody in my family. Um, my mom didn't particularly have a positive reaction when I had initially told her this, what had happened to me. Um, and so I, I think she watching the video definitely changed. She kind of apologized to me afterwards for her own response to the situation. Just for those who haven't heard it, what did she say initially? Um, I think, you know, she, she kind of suggested that I brought it upon myself. Did I put myself in a precarious situation? And so in watching the video and hearing me talk about it, you know, I think she had time to think on it and rethink and think about her own reaction to me telling her that I was raped. Because mm, I think from in the video, you say um, she mentions um, alcohol. And that is such a common thing, isn't it? For people to sort of come up with reasons for, you know, what's what's the girl done to sort of bring, you know, did she drink too much? Was she wearing the wrong things? So it's sort of really important to be talking about those kind of things, I think. Yeah. Um, I, I In the video, I have mentioned that I had been drinking. It was at my house. And it took me like a couple of years to even realize because your immediate reaction, a lot of us have been socialized to put the blame on the woman. Even women ourselves, we put the blame on ourselves. So my immediate reaction was to think, oh, I drank too much. Um, and so like I had avoided the rum that I had been drinking that night. I avoided it for years. It's like, oh, it's just so strong. And like not even realizing that I had been drugged or like, you know, I had just absorbed so much of the blame. And so I, I just don't think that's an unfamiliar story. I think a lot of situations, particularly for my audience of black women, that they carry a lot of burdens around things that happen to them and they they absorb them as their own insecurities or their own problems and then it colors our perspective going forward and it, it sways the way we make decisions about what we can do with our lives or who we can be um and so i in discussing this publicly i wanted to lift the weight off for a lot of women who are carrying this burden and it was you know, cutting them off from really living their, essentially their best life. Obviously, that was an incredibly sort of traumatic event. How have you um, gone on since then? What, did you find making the um, the video sort of, did that sort of help in terms of your recovery? Um, I think at the point where I had, I did the video, I was like, I was good. Um, yeah. I definitely think it's, but it's made me more comfortable in 
in carrying these conversations because the response was so positive and realizing that there definitely is a need to to provide the safe space for this dialogue to happen. And what kind of message do you hope to give to your audience when they're watching these quite honest and frank discussions in film and also to just young women of colour in general? I mean, my overarching message is always, it's not even... I want to allow, like, my, I said my goal the past two years has been to let my words edify, but I really kind of uh, look at the, uh, like, any basic liberation theology or ideology is that in most of the Western world, we've taken a banking approach to education where we view people as vessels who we just have to fill with all this information and knowledge that we want them to have rather than looking at them as people who we should be pulling the knowledge out of. And so I try to look at my audience as people who already have the knowledge that they need within. They're already intellectual. They're already smart. That's why my movement is called Smart Brown Girl, is that this audience of women and, and men who watch me are already in intelligent creatures i just have to unlock there's a key that just needs to be turned to unlock that that intelligence that's inside of them so it's not so much that i'm telling you how to live or i'm telling you how to think but that i am i'm I am hosting this critical dialogue that allows you and encourages you to have critical thought about any kind of facet of your life and therefore, you know, I keep saying language because such a language is power, but, you know, having the language or understanding how to be a person who can disseminate facts from false or have critical thought around any sort of topic so that they can use their voice in a powerful way. So this is goodbye for mentally Thanks very much to Julesy. If you've been affected by any of the issues we discussed today, please give the Samaritans a ring on 116-123 or go to their website at samaritans.org. Thanks very much to our producer Sam Bonham and to Lucy Baker for the jingles. If you'd like to join us online, we have a Facebook group called Mentally Yours where we chat about all things mental health. We also have Twitter, which is Mentally Yours, but yours is spelled Y-R-S. See you next week. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.